Law Focus Podcast, bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Good evening and welcome to Law Focus. I'm Veronica Mahwadi, your voice of law for the evening, right here on VOFM 88.1. Join me as we unpack everything law-related every Tuesday evening from 7pm till 8pm. South Africa has been dubbed the protest capital of the world, with one of the highest rates of public protests. It is estimated that South Africa has more than 13,500 protests every year. This may sound alarming to some people, but we do in fact have a right to protest. The state's obligation to respect the right to protest means that it must not unjustly prevent people from protesting, but it also must ensure that measures are in place that allow individuals and groups to exercise their right to protest. Of course, this is a balance between rights and responsibility. But too often these lines blur with uh, protests often turning violent, police abusing their power and of course the lack of accountability and responsibility when things go wrong. Law Focus tonight will explore the right to assemble. We will unpack the legal definition of a protest. We will also highlight what makes a protest legal or illegal and will also give you some general advice on protecting the right to protest. Joining us for this conversation is Patrick Kadima, a law student, who will also be joined by a social economic human rights activist from the Freedom of Expression Institute, Zandi Legiani. But this would not be a conversation without your input. You can send us a voice note on our WhatsApp line 084-078-4912. You can also send us a tweet on at VAWFM using the hashtag LawFocus. But of course, before we get into that, it is time for our legal hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week Legal Hotspots. I'm joined in studio by our law focus researchers, Sisetu Zingelwa and Siabonga Mota, who will be giving us a breakdown of the top legal stories this week. On our legal hotspot today, we're looking at rape accused Nicholas Nino, who has been declared fit to stand trial. The Pretoria Magistrate Court made a ruling following a 30-day assessment at Vescopi Psychiatric Hospital. Nino is accused of raping a 7-year-old girl in a Joss restaurant last year. This means that Nino will not use the insanity defense. He will be accountable for his alleged actions. NPA's Pindim Jonondwane says his case will be heard at the High Court of Pretoria, hence the postponement to the 5th of March. Details of the Vescopi's medical report will only be made public after it's been submitted to the court. On our second story, we have Raphael Samuel from Mumbai, India, who is planning to sue his parents for giving birth to him without his consent. Samuel's mother released a statement in response saying that she admires her son's boldness. She added that she would accept her fault if her son was to come up with a rational explanation as to how they could have asked for his permission to be born. The 27-year-old is part of anti-nationalist philosophy which encourages people worldwide to stop procreating. They argue that people should abstain from making babies because it is morally bad. Samuel runs a Facebook page called Nihila Nand and has about 1,400 followers. For Legal Hotspot on Law Focus, I am Sesetu Zingelwa. Thank you, Sesetu and Sia, for our Legal Hotspots for this week. You are tuned into Law Focus on VOFM 88.1. Let's continue with the show as we discuss the right to assemble. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week. It's Legal Hotspots. 
Every person has the right to assemble with others and express their views on any matter freely in public and to enjoy the protection of the state while doing so. Section 17 of the Constitution provides that. It says everyone has the right peacefully and unharmed to assemble, to demonstrate, to picket and to present petitions. The exercise of such rights shall take place peacefully and with regard to the rights of others. In South Africa, protests of more than 50 15 people are governed by the Regulation of the Gatherings Act of 1993. This act was placed to regulate the holding of public gatherings and demonstrations at certain places. The Gatherings Act highlights what protest organizers must do before a protest and what they cannot do during a protest. It also shows what authorities must do and what they also cannot do. The Act also says that authorities must allow people to exercise this right and cannot just ban people from protesting unless, of course, there are serious concerns that the protest is going to be unsafe. Then authorities must engage with the organizers to find a safe way for the protest to happen. But we do know, of course, that authorities often find ways to abuse this process. In fact, in the recent weeks, we have seen universities across the country in disorder and mayhem as students have rallied together to protest various issues at their institutions. Classes have been suspended, campuses have been closed, students have been arrested, and of course, one student lost his life in the midst of these protests. Mlungi Simadonsela, a Durban University technology student, was killed during clashes with security on campus during a protest. As the new academic year begins, first years seem to be very vulnerable and oftentimes led in without really understanding the implications of such protests. Our law-focused researcher, Millicent Indueni, speaks to a law student, Patrick Adima, to explain the role of the SRC and university laws around protest action. Joining us in studio now is Patrick Gadima. He is a postgraduate LLB student and he is also the Law Fora Officer of the Law School Council. Thank you for joining us this evening, Patrick. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, right into it. Now to begin this interview for the purposes for students who are, uh, students who are actually new, first years for instance. Um, what is the role of the SRC for them so that they understand when protests are taking place, obviously, what this whole big deal of the SRC is about? So, um, yeah, the SRC is the highest uh, student representative body on any campus, in any university, in the country, or around the world. So what they do is to represent students uh, to decision uh, to, 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 to uh, decision-making bodies of the university, such as the University Council, which is the highest decision-making body, to the Senate, which deals with teaching and learning, or to the Institutional Forum, or any other bodies uh, that are there on campus that uh, are, are given the powers to make decisions on certain matters or every matter on campuses. And now we obviously know that protest is a, it's enshrined in the constitution as a right and an extension of that right is for institutions of higher learning like this university etc now when students decide to actually embark on a protest is that a last resort to them fighting for their cries are there other alternatives that they can actually seek out 
Yeah, um, let me first begin by mentioning that, yes, it's true, Section 17 of the Constitution protects everyone's right to protest peacefully and un, uh, and, 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 and unarmed, you know. So, uh, so, every student has the right to protest even at universities. And I believe... Um, when student uh, representative bodies go on uh, go go on a protest they just don't go on a protest like that what happens is it 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 is a result of failed negotiations probably with management or with any other body that's supposed to act on a certain issue then if those negotiations fail then student the student body is as no choice but to go and protest and i just need to mention the importance of protest is for is for people to be felt or to voice out their concern so that it can be seen in the public that there is a certain situation that needs to be addressed here and it has not been addressed uh, via the 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 the, the, the formal uh, mechanisms and therefore um or management has not heard our petition or has backtracked or something like that and then they call for a protest. I just want to mention also from my experience as a student leader, both here at Vitz and where I was at Stellenbosch, is we, we as student leaders don't just embark on a protest. It, we have to sit first with management. We discuss, we discuss. And sometimes these things, they are long meetings, you know, goes for three hours, and after that they make a certain decision, backtrack, and therefore students get angry, and, you know, they feel that, okay, you know what, the best thing is to protest. And, and, and I think... Um, I think that's what is well, that's what sometimes uh, 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 management of universities fail to get that uh, it is after students are very tired after negotiations that nothing has yielded here no no results have yielded and therefore let's take it out to okay. protest. So what I hear you say, first of all, is that protests are a last resort. You would have first tried to negotiate, and if it doesn't work, then you you take it higher. And secondly, it would then be student leaders. And student bodies who would convene a protest, correct? Now, also, we've got different political parties, even in universities. It is a very political and um, rife space, robust space for, for debate. Now, how do you make sure that all these different ideologies are taken into consideration when you enter into a protest action? How do you navigate the different political differences amongst students? Also, with the idea in mind of ensuring that there is unity. Yeah, um, that is a very difficult one. Um, and I think it depends on the institutional culture of each university. Uh, but what I believe is ideal is that uh, when uh, issues of students, let's, for example, say registration fees, affects all students. It doesn't say I'm choosing you because you are ANC or PYA or I'm choosing you because you are EFFSC or you are DASO. Uh, it, 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 it is as a result, uh, for example, that, uh, yeah, so if you're failing to pay your registration fees, is as a result maybe that you don't have money or you're from a previously disadvantaged background. And therefore, what is needed is, a, a united front between student organizations, be it your EFF student council or be it your uh, 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 the PYA, the, we need to be united because that particular issue affects every student or certain uh, 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 certain students, and therefore it is necessary that. Uh, uh, these different political ideologies come united and leave their t-shirts alone or their ideologies and unite against a certain issue. But that has not been the case. And 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 
you know uh, and it's 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 really sad that uh, student leaders have taken it sometimes far that uh, um uh, uh, that uh, they want to put it they want to make sure that it is their uh, organization in front of the issue because at the end of the day it's about the african child it's not about whether you are in this party or that party and i believe that yes the the, the the different political ideologies can be expressed during SRC elections when you are campaigning to students that this is what we stand for. This is what we stand for. And the students will choose from there, go to the ballots, they will choose and say so we like these people because their ideology serves us, you know, okay. and therefore we vote them into power. And now... Um, having the SRC there in power, standing as a leadership for the bigger mass of um, students, when they do decide to convene a strike, what are the processes that actually need to be followed? Um, <laughs> the processes that need to be followed in terms of convening a strike, um, if on campus, I believe it. It you know again, I just need to mention that uh, you know the different the different types of protests. There are pickets and everything that are regulated, uh, but I don't know off my head how many because there are some that say fifteen fifteen people or less than that is a picket and stuff stuff. But for example, if students are about to protest on campus, for for me particularly, I don't feel that uh, there is a need for processes to be followed. Uh, in terms that I believe that uh, if the SRC is calling for a protest. Uh, it needs to just tell the student body that, listen, we are meeting at 9 a.m. for a mass meeting. Uh, and I've seen various SRCs even here. They call for, first for a mass meeting through consultation. Then from there on, they make a decision. If the student body says, yeah, tomorrow we are shutting down. And... Um, yeah, I don't think they need to pass through certain regulations. Unlike if it was outside, I think, where you will need now to apply via the police and stuff, stuff, stuff. So, that so you believe public... that because it's within the university setup, then um, there's no really much need for the many different processes that you would otherwise follow if it was not if it was a public space. Yeah, yeah, that that that's what I believe, and I don't okay. uh, I, and I don't know what the law says on that for now. But I just believe that because it's on campus. And then, then how do we ensure safety? So, yeah, the the university is its own security in the first place, right? The security that's employed by VITS, the VITS campus control. And I think they're equipped to to, 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 to take care of uh, the, uh, I mean, to ensure safety on campuses. But I think universities have gone over and above their, 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 their role and uh, brought in private uh, securities in okay. and and so on and so forth and yeah so and i think it has now turned into the militarization of campuses <laughs> that's interesting let's wrap up now i mean we've got so many other different issues that we have not managed to get into because of time such as the right not to protest if you're not interested in the protest and what happens um who gets blamed when a protest turns turns violent when a student dies is it the src is it the university those kind of issues what about first years especially as well you know um where do they fit in in this whole dilemma what would you say are your last words regarding protected strikes in universities you mean protected strikes should they be protected? Should they not be protected? What's your opinion? No. Um, there's the case, the Satawu case. Uh, it's a court case that was dealt with by one of the courts. And um, it was a protest that Satawu had held and it went violent and stuff, stuff, stuff. And and, and, and the court in there, if I, uh, if I don't make a mistake, had said that uh, 
when holding a protest you must ensure that there is that you that is holding the protest must ensure that uh, there is reasonable uh, uh, safety measures that have been put in place and 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 i don't think in universities the protests are violent and i've never seen a violent the only time when a protest turns violent is when these private securities or police who also tend to uh, 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 intimidate uh, the protesters and in turn throw tear gas and everything that's when it turns violent but students just go and disrupt classes and everything and it is allowed for disruption of classes by the law that when there is disruption of probably a normal uh, day-to-day activity uh, it is allowed by the law that you can disrupt a class for 30 minutes and therefore students leave it is allowed by the law so. all right that was patrick adima who is a law school council officer thank you so much for joining us this evening on law focus we appreciate your time sir thank you very much listening to law focus connect with Fall fam 88.1 on twitter and facebook be your own lawyer voice of it has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the broadcasting complaints commission of south africa under the code we are committed to broadcasting news that is accurate comment that is fair and programming that is not harmful to children does not amount to hate speech and contains no gratuitous violence or explicit sex if you think we are not living up to the code you may inform the broadcasting complaints commission of south africa direct any complaints in writing to bccsa pure box 412365 craig hall 2024 or send a fax to 011-325-5376 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za for more information please visit www.bccsa.co.za law focus handing you your rights Safety is a growing concern when it comes to protest action, particularly when we are looking at institutions of higher learning. The use of private security has always been a topic of discussion when it comes to managing crowds on campus. I mean, we've seen this with the recent case of Mlugisi Madonsela, who was shot and killed by two security officers on a campus. Another example of failed riot control is the case of Katle Homunareng, who was shot dead by two police officers during an SRC election protest at Tswane University of Technology last year. Now, the South African Police Service has a responsibility to prevent combat and investigate crime as well as maintain public order protect and secure the people of the republic and their property but you may be surprised to learn that there are strict rules to limit the police's use of force against protesters you ask yourself when can the police actually use violence well the rules are pretty clear the police may only use a force against protesters when it is necessary to prevent injury or death to a person or destruction of property and when negotiation and all other measures have failed before resorting to violence they must give two warnings in at least two languages and give people reasonable time to disperse and lastly they may only use the minimum possible force under the circumstances and these rules must be followed and they do apply whether or not a protest is perceived to be illegal we wanted to know your thoughts on protest action and whether or not you would exercise your right and this is what you had to say nothing yeah Pro- protests are good because if you're not heard especially if you fighting for valid cause especially with like the fees must fall and you guys have been trying i think protest is the best way protest i have a problem with pro- okay i support it nah. but to an extent the reason i say to an extent because it, it comes for me it becomes a problem if 
your protest is going to affect me. Yeah, like, for example, right now, you're scared. You are protesting, like you're closing, you're blocking the roads and stuff, like you're burning. How, how's it going to help you if you're going to burn a building, but your protest is about school fees? You get me? So I feel like it, it needs to balance out. You feel me? It's, it's not a problem to protest. You're entitled to, but in, once you start preventing somebody else from going forward, then it's a problem. Sometimes, like, it is in Ottoman bus strike. I think it valid sometimes, Avon. But sometimes, my hands are good to, like, in order to complain, and I'm trying to, like, complain about what case. Might end up for electricity power over and over and over and over, Avon. Oh, I told Mr. Jack, like, they don't, they don't attend to you on time. And they're, like, we never understand what you have things. Like, when you talk about business, like, businesses, like, they need electricity. So, like, it's like I feel it's an effective way to get the message through to the government, in a way. It depends on the reason behind the protest. If the fees must fall, then I'm for that. I'm saying I'm that to the students. We all need the fees to go down. It's expensive. We cannot deal. And for those who haven't paid their registration fee, we eh, we are saying I'm to no registration fee. Well, it depends on what they are protesting about. For instance, some other people, they protest for raise where they're working, so when like well it makes sense as you know well here in south africa they have increases increased the, the the vet so it makes sense the cost of living is very high so in that manner i understand it's understandable i feel that we have every right to protest for accommodation firstly how do you take so many people to come to vets and not have them accommodated where do you explain um where do you want them to stay where do you think they're gonna go because we need to be educated but how will we be educated without a place to sleep where are we supposed to go what are we supposed to do i do feel safe because we're not fighting with ourselves we're fighting with the people who owe who owe us something we're not fighting alone we need something we're we're not fighting we're asking for something we're asking to be hurt but there's there's this misconception right that people Yes, um, protests happen just because students want to disrupt the academic year or students don't want to work or, or something. The fact that it needs to get to a protest in the first place, it means that it's already, there's nothing else to do. Do you get what I mean? It's, for example, because you know, students couldn't register because of you know financial exclusion or anything like that. And people think that, you, do you get what I mean? Like, my chat is in order for people to get to protest something must have happened and it's very there's something very violent about not being able to to further your studies or not being able to do you get what i mean because of something that you can't control so that's you doing something about it and it means that for a moment this the university has to be disrupted because a student's life is disrupted by them not being able to register and that's what people should understand so it's there's another way to go about it yes but it's very violent for someone not to be able to to carry on with what they want to do in life because of being financially excluded poverty is very violent so protests are the least violent of those protesting about that it's the least violent thing that you can do listening to law focus connect with Val fam 88.1 on twitter and facebook be your own lawyer bringing you the facts handing you your rights this is law focus 
The Gatherings Act says that if you are organizing a gathering that will be 16 people or more, you must first notify the responsible officer from the municipality. Now, we call this giving notice. If the march, picket or protest will be attended by 15 people or less, it is then called a demonstration and you don't need to give notice to local authorities. Now, giving notice is not the same as asking for permission. You do not need permission to exercise your right to protest. Any gathering that happens, however, without a notice is then immediately notified as an illegal gathering. Siabongamota decided to inquire in this interview what the difference between a protected strike and a non-protected strike is and, of course, what the implication for both are legally. We spoke to Zandile Gianni, an environmental and socio-economic human rights activist from the Freedom of Expression Institute who has worked with various charity and civil society organizations. Your focus and you your rights. All right, in studio we are joined by Zandi Lechiane from Freedom Expression Institute. Uh, she is an environmental and social economist, um, human rights activist who has worked with various charity and civil society organizations. Ms. Zandile, welcome to Law Focus. Thank you. So we'll start um, a little bit on something that we think is really important. So I'll say briefly define what is a strike. Um, a strike... I will say is when like it's related to labor actually, like yes. other people they don't they don't strike because there's a strike when lay, uh, empl- em- employers uh, yes. yeah are trying to send a message to the employee um, that uh, employees actually yeah are trying to send in to the employer a message to the employer that we demand this now because after the negotiation we have sat with you and then we said one two three and four we are not happy about therefore the the employer is not responding to that particular concern therefore uh employees will go for a strike in the way of um, trying to send a message here so would you distinguish between a strike and the protest, if there's any difference maybe between the two? I will say, as I have mentioned, that a strike is uh, related to labor, and then a protest is related to, um, I will say, civils. Yes. Uh, yeah, civils, students. Yeah, anybody can go for protest, but strike is specifically for labor. Okay, as we move on, so to... Because we've seen in the University of um, Wurz and obviously at other universities in South Africa having strikes or protests, if I may put it like that way. So do university, pro- do, um, university protests fall under the scope of uh, or the and, um, ambit of workers' strike? No, students are not employers. <laughs> are, not, are not employees. So, so they don't follow under? Day, yeah. So strike is only for people who are working. Yes. Yes. And if if it was like when you say like uh, the, the universities maybe can the 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 employees of of the university are the ones who who will strike, not the students. Not the not the students. Yeah, the students will protest, not to. Okay. Strike. So basically, you are saying that students can only protest; <clears throat> they cannot strike. Because striking is for people, it's for labor related matters. matters yeah. Okay, it makes sense to us. So, hence, yeah, hence the section 20, 
23 off there. Yeah, I'm still going there. I'm still going there. So (laughs) I was about to ask you that Section 23 of the South African Constitution holds that the right to strike is unrestricted. So, however, it is not absolute. Therefore, this right is restriction uh, uh, has restrictions and limitations. What does the right to strike entail, and what extent can it be exercised? Um, everybody do have a right to strike, do have a right to protest. However, those rights must not like uh, interfere with other people's rights. So, if like um, my strike interferes with other people's rights, is to infringe the right that I want to exercise myself. I'm not. I'm not sure yeah. if like that is clear to you. Yeah, it is. I want to exercise my right, so, yet I infringe your right. Or so basically, I, you have the the right to 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 to, to strike, but you have a responsibility yes. to to respect other it's people's right. Okay. Other people's right. Yes, it is your responsibility to do so. Yeah. So talking about responsibilities, mm-hmm. what constitutes a protected strike? A protected. Uh, if maybe uh, we are talking about students here, or. Is it a strike or like a strike a in broad, like in broad, like like uh, okay, like okay. When we talk of uh, the protected one, it will be the one that is peaceful, yes, and the one that is unarmed, as it is written in our section seventeen of our constitution, as well as our uh, uh, the regulations of gathering acts. Yes. So if we follow that uh, do, do, that route, then it will be the protected one. The unprotected one is where there will be riots and yeah, the, the infringements of other people's rights and the likes. So, so you find that now there will be those um, bullets that are flying, yes. people are dying and, and the likes. Yeah. So so that that's that's not a protected strike if there's riots and and obviously maybe they say police and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, when it comes to security, it is unprotected one. And then we do have uh, under the uh, the regulations of um, Gathering Act, yes. we do have like uh, when we say the protected one is when you plan a, a protest or a gathering where you will have to submit a notice to the municipality and okay. inform them that there will be this such and such much on this day, on this time. Therefore, there will be a section for meeting where you'll sit and the responsible uh, responsible officer of that municipality will, and as well as the local authority, of which is maybe the SAPS, that you will gather together, you as a convener. Therefore, you will have to, uh, the, 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 what you call it, um, responsible officer as well as the SAPS, the SAPS. Yes. They will facilitate the the, the the your plan as well as the the whole of the of the protest that to provide uh, security and safety. So, if we're talking about <clears throat> protected and unprotected strike, so if if let's say a group of people decided to have an unprotected strike, what are the uh, um, legal implications? Actually, it is not unprotected at some point because I will say that uh, each and everybody have do have a right to protest, do have a right to strike. But if it's unprotected... They, they will say it is unprotected. But remember, that we also have a problem to this. Um, when you submit, they say that a notice to the municipality. They say you go to for... You, you you request for a permission. You don't request a permission. There's no way that states that you should request for. But the unprotected one, I will say, is the one that um, 
Yeah, they say is the one that uh, you haven't noticed. The, the, the municipality. The municipality. So in that not, case, yeah, you never said for the section four meetings. So in that case, if you, if you if you decide to have like an, a strike where you did not inform the police, what are the the legal implications then? On that one, uh, subs should come where there's a pop that is public order policing. However, there are also uh, like um, monitoring uh, strategies that they do follow. Whether if it's a peaceful one and unarmed one, there's no way that they will say it is an unprotected strike. Not really unprotected, a dangerous one. Dangerous one. Yeah. Okay. So going so, back, going back to what happened <clears throat> here at um, Verts last week, we saw um, private security in the university. Um, so what powers basically do these private security uh, companies have when it comes to to monitoring this, the, 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 what's happening currently in the university? I, on, the, on, on the security, the private security, I believe that um, security guards are employees of the university. So they will take a mandate from the, 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 the university. So it is the responsibility of the university to like deal with those uh, security guards or maybe give them the mandate or sit with them, have a briefing with them on how to handle the situation and, and the likes. And then at the very same time, the police should be, because this one, I, I think is, it falls under the, uh, what, what they call it, uh, it's a... Um, so basically, basically, um, because I'll just, I'll just jump in the. So I, I, I do get what you're saying, Nem, but the problem with the spontaneous one. The spontaneous one. Yeah. So, getting back to to um, the st- we're still on the security, um, private, Sec- private, private security, security basically. Yeah. So the question, the, the one thing that I also want to know is that what what are the different strategies, or are there any strategies that are being used by private security? compared to the ones that are being um, 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 used by police officers? I believe that um, the private security guards, they should also fall, uh, uh, follow the regulations, the, the, the RGA regulations of gathering act, because it is the one that regulates the protest as well as uh, the march, the, 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 the demonstrations and the pickets. So it also falls under the, the security of other human beings as well. It's not only for the for the not, not only for the security I mean, for the uh, government to follow that, or maybe the civilians to follow that, but as well as the security guards. But based on the the the, 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 the university, as I've mentioned before, that uh, the university is the responsibility to sit down with them and update them, or maybe give them the. The, 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 the highlights of how to handle the situation and the lacks. But the, the, as well as the university's uh, responsibility to call in the, the police so they can regulate the, the protest in, in, a, in a good manner. So private security companies or private guards, are, either, are they allowed to carry firearms? Uh, to be honest, the, the firearms are not or live ammunition are not allowed in the education. 
uh, facility of or institute. Yes. So basically, all. And I, I don't I don't know why they have to use those lives and killing other people. The killings of other people are not like uh, at all like um um like uh promoted yes. at some point. But in in a way, sometimes we we must not uh, like leave this aside as well. We 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 find ourselves at at some point that we can't even like uh, we we like the the some of us like like that the 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 way of like uh, showing our anger and the likes. So we find ourselves like uh, picking up uh, the 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 stones and start like destroying infrastructure so that is totally not accepted yes at all so if we look at incidences where um like last year in Soshangove where Monareng um died at Soshangove campus last year um he he was a there it was a student from the uh, Tony University of Technology. And and we also look at what happened last week in Durban where Blungus Matonsala died and was allegedly shot and killed outside um, the, the Durban University of Technology at um, Steve Pico campus. When a student dies at the hands of the security, who is brought into, pro, uh, into um, action? Like who's supposed to protect them? Uh, protecting who? The I mean, student. The if students. a student dies in, 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 in campus while protesting or striking um who who's who has to take the blame here uh the blame will be on both the university as well as the security should there be any death occurs and um but uh, the one that the bullet came from is the one that was more of like taking the blame you understand okay so because like um we Okay, I have hired the security guard. Yes. It is my concern to oversee that the security guard is not breaching any law. And so if the security guard should someone unnecessarily so or unlawfully so, so then I am also implicated. But the real person who is is more implicated and to be blamed more. So the major, like, uh, yes, um, steps that need to be followed, like the crimi- uh, criminal uh, procedures needs to follow from there. Okay, as we about to close, I'm going to ask this one um, last question. And um, so in such circumstances where death arises, as we mentioned earlier, on, what are the processes and that, um, I mean, the processes that takes place to ensure that justice is served? Um, I mean, does it go through the courts so someone can be charged of murder? I know, earlier on, you said, um, the university and obviously the security, the private security will be charged. But I mean, if that a murder case is being opened, who um, is, is, is going to be taken for inquest? Uh, where there's evidence, uh, the court is where you will go to. And then criminal procedures, the charges and the likes will be like uh, opened. Yeah, you look go and lay the charges and then criminal uh, procedures, as I've said, that are to be followed. And then where there is no evidence, that is when the inquest is going to fall, like, are being followed. Yeah, because you can't do the... The, the inquest while there is evidence. All right. Yeah. No, um, Ms. Zandle, thank you for joining us tonight here on Law Focus. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with FM 88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus, Law Focus. on FM 88.1. Point of information.
As we reflect on tonight's discussion, we spoke to Patrick Adema, who walked us through the purpose of a student body on campus, as well as the laws, responsibilities and policies in place in universities in regards to protesting. We were also in conversation with Zandi Legiani from the Freedom of Expression Institute, who unpacked the legal definition of a protest. Now, protesting is something that is deeply embedded in our culture and history as South Africans. It is how we as the public express and bring to light our concerns and our issues but we must remember although we have a right to protest we also have a responsibility to those around us a few tips to remember at a protest is to always make sure a notice form has been submitted either by you or the organizers make sure that marshals are well organized and can be seen also ensure that nobody at your protest is doing anything to disrupt or cause violence be ready to take videos or photos of any police brutality or any abuses that you see. For more tips, get a copy of the Right to Know's Right to Protest Handbook, which you can find online. From our producer, Simba Honde, our technical producer, Kutwana Sarame, as well as our law-focused researchers, Sasetu Zingelwa, Siabongamota, Millicent Indiweni, and myself, Veronica Mahwadi. Thank you so much for tuning into Law Focus tonight. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Law Focus Podcast.